0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Uncultured Cinematic Universe. Here we discuss your favorite movies of all time, as well as the ones that got away. We look at classic and iconic films from two perspectives, that of the diehard fan and that of the uncultured who's never seen it before Mm -hmm. until now. Yes. We're your hosts, Joe and Justin, here to act as your guides, playing part as both the fellow enthusiasts and the ignorant and uncultured. Today, we'll be talking about a classic drama about class warfare and the pressure <laughs> of banish creativity under capitalism. It's 1998's A Bug's Life.
1: Oh my God. I thought you were going to say Les Miserables, but it wasn't.
0: Justin, would you believe that one of my biggest notes about this film is, is this film about the French Revolution secretly?
1: I would love to like dig into like the director, John Lasseter and, and co. Like, Who hurt you? <laughs> uh, or, like, what historical drama book were you reading at the time? Because, holy shit, this movie is just so rife with class struggle and warfare. And it's very working
0: class. It definitely is. Bourgeoisie, proletariat. Big uh, time, big time. time. Um, yeah, this is uh, Pixar's second film. Uh, I was I was
1: curious which which one out the gate was this this was number two like fresh off of uh, a couple years after Toy Story
0: so that's one of the things that kind of made this movie a little bit of a slump even though I think this movie's fucking great mm-hmm. is that it was released between the monoliths of Toy Story one and Toy Story two so it's very much the Incredible Hulk of the Pixar universe between the Iron Mans of MCU <laughs> uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. um and you. Uh, would you? I mean, you you'd call yourself a general Pixar fan, as are most people. No. Yeah,
1: I've um I've seen the bulk of mm-hmm. the the Pixar compendium, um, mm-hmm. the really big important tentpole pieces, like you mentioned the, uh, uh, the 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 Toy Stories, the Finding Nemo's and Dory's, uh, and things like that. I have missed a few along the way, uh, and this was a big one that I've missed.
0: Yeah, this. This one rocks. Uh, I really like this one. It's it's often forgotten. I was thinking through this, kind of like preparing my notes for this episode. So when we think about Pixar films, there's weirdly some ones that are kind of forgotten in the culture in the conversation or whatever, just because Pixar is so often connected to like uh, huge amounts of money or like uh, huge amounts of awards attention, and so they right. get that so much, and so when they don't necessarily. Uh get that it it kind of drops off a little bit, so you think about like a bug's life, you think about the good dinosaur, which mm. I have seen, which kind of isn't that great i haven't uh, seen that one didn't see that one i i think i'm I'm trying to think I should probably just look at the full list, but I think the only Pixar film I haven't seen I guess it's two of them I haven't seen cars two and three I don't mm. think
1: yeah the some would say the weaker of the, the trilogy. Yeah.
0: Know? Yeah. And, uh, and I haven't seen Lightyear. Um, That's the the latest one that came out.
1: Right. Right. Like, I think it got to a point where it kind of got a little oversaturated, you know, uh, as the Pixar animation studios uh, coalesced and condensed mm-hmm. down into Disney. It just became just like, Oh, it's just, it became less special well, um, to me.
0: Yeah. I'm sure there's like, <laughs> books and books on this, uh, the the history of Pixar and how they uh, make a movie. But like, it's kind of interesting to see how they progress forward, not just technically, but in terms of storytelling. So um, you, you have movies like um, toy story and a bug's life that have the classic Pixar thing about them, where it's like telling a story from a perspective that hasn't really been seen before. Mm-hmm. And it's about, these characters kind of coming into their own and finding themselves that, that seems to be the theme throughout most of Pixar history. But then yeah. uh, the, the reason uh, when you, when you th- like read up on it a little bit, the reason that they picked toys and bugs is because they were actually easier to animate at the time. Um, they were, yeah. they had kind of like a plastically shell on them. So it was, a, it was easier to create 3d images. Uh, and then you get into further Pixar films and obviously, like, more humans come into play, uh, the big one being The Incredibles in 2005. Um, and then as these more, like, textured characters, it, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, the the Pixar films grow both in, like, literal texture from, like, a 3D uh, design standpoint and then also texture of a story. Like, they become oh, more yeah. abstract. You get more, like, themes of, like, uh, growing up or like what's going on in your mind. Uh,
1: Existential and, dread. Uh, control, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. Um, I'd,
1: I'd love that call out. Um, Cause you know, on the surface, this movie to me is very as straightforward as straightforward can get yeah. from a storytelling point of view beats and everything. resolution, all that is very straightforward in terms of like when you compare it to the rest of the Pixar lineup, where, like you mentioned, some get a little headier, and then definitely the stuff that most people glom onto when you think of Pixar is just like the emotional gut wrench of films that they can create, and just mm-hmm. with simple storytelling. This one does not have that. Um, and honestly, neither does the first Toy Story. The second Toy Story, which I guess you know is the third outing for Pixar, is really where they experimented with, like, how can we like decimate a child by feeling bad about leaving their toys behind. Like, how can we just like, just do that?
0: Which I think they repeat again in toy story three. I will say toy story two is probably my favorite Pixar uh, to this day. Mm. Um, I think it's kind of one of the best sequels of all time. Um, It's one of the better reviewed movies of all time. It held some sort of record for a while on rotten tomatoes of like the most positively reviewed movie ever or something like that. Yeah. Um, definitely yeah.
1: got the definitely got like the the Spider-Man 2 kind of treatment. They've really figured out what worked and what clicked with the first one and like leaps and bounds of technology. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a couple dates and that blew my mind. So like um with The Incredibles coming out in 2005 and I think prior to that like finding 2004, I got it wrong. I'm looking oh, at 2004. <laughs> prior to that, I think finding Nemo came out and then after mm-hmm. The Incredibles, Monsters Inc.
0: All that kind of stuff. No, 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 Monsters, Inc. was right after Toy Story 2. Uh, Damn. Monsters, Inc. was in 2001.
1: Damn. Yeah. See, I think I put those, for some reason in my brain, I think those movies are way further apart in span of years just because of, like you mentioned, like the text, like the literal texture, the technological advances that had to take place to be able yeah. to animate fur and then, you know, further animate like people, like convincingly, Um
0: it's I it's mean, interesting yeah. to think of think of like Pixar films in succession as like jumping off points for each other. So Bug's Life was definitely the the natural follow up for the resounding success that was Toy Story. And so they were like, how do we kind of capture this momentum? How do we uh, keep it going? Um, and I I think they succeeded in the way. But again, like history remembers it as a bit of like a a, a weird stepchild between these two uh, monolith films. But then you look at something like you're saying, like with Monsters, Inc., where they're taking so many like technical steps forward with like animating fur and like animating a bunch of really different, weird looking characters all within the same scene. So you have mm-hmm. a lot of more like crowd scenes where it's not necessarily like the way they do in Bugs Life, where they kind of like um, they have an algorithm for like squishing or making taller eight different ant bodies. And then that's yeah. how they build a crowd, you know, and they're mm-hmm. kind of just randomly moving. Um, and then from Monsters, Inc., then at that point, they literally just take a dive into the ocean. Uh, and that's why Finding Nemo was such a huge, resounding thing is because like no one had ever really been able to animate in that way before. They, they had to like it's Pixar, Pixar's always famous, I think, for just like literally inventing new ways to animate. So they are mm-hmm. very much like a computer <laughs> science company as much. Definitely.
1: As- it really is. So like those three that we keep coming back to and talking about. So. Finding Nemo, um, Monsters Inc. and The Incredibles. So the things that I remember about those movies, you know, are things that we that we're already talking about. Just like the sheer scope and scale yeah. of Finding Nemo underwater textures and plants and bubbles and stuff underwater was so incredible. And then the, you know, the the texture of fur. I remember being so just like mind blown, just because like you can see just like the little waves. Mm -hmm. blowing in the wind and then um the thing about the incredibles was the texture of the fabric like you could see and it felt so tactile Mm -hmm. and um incredible yeah
0: that it it was like 10 years later but there was a viral image that went around for the incredibles 2 where it was like it was like a still from the movie and you zoom in and you can see like individual arm hairs like fibers on yeah. his on his arm. It's, it's kind of insane.
1: Yeah. But let's, let's loop it back to the, to the bugs life here. Um, I thought this one was incredibly well done. You mm-hmm. know, every blade of grass obviously had to have been, you know, uh, animated with the utmost perfection. Um, You know, the the uniqueness of the bugs, like their looks and their weird animation styles was was pretty unique and fun. I had a good time with this one. I can't believe I missed it. Um, But looking back, 1998, I was, you know, in my...
0: busy watching Can't Hardly Wait.
1: (laughs) I was in my preteen years, you know. I was too cool for school. So watching a movie, a cute cartoon movie about bugs, you know, I was just like, eh. Because, you know, three years prior to that, I'd watched Toy Story as a, you know, child, and I was amazed by it. Um, But, you know, I di- I couldn't understand and fathom, you know, like Pixar is this big, you know, former Apple, you know, technological behemoth kind of thing. I couldn't appreciate it for what it was, so I had no real reason
0: to want to watch this movie when it came out. Right. So that, that kind of brings us back to, like, the reason for the season. So our our... Our mini series, let's say for this month, it has been about firsts. So we, we had an episode on can't hardly wait, which was your first, what are we calling it? Like co-ed movie going experience yeah. with adults, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> which also by coincidence happens to be in the same year as my first memory of being in a theater, which is 1998. It's, it's bug's life. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really don't have much more than that in terms of the memory. I have like a, a single image, like a a single JPEG in my mind of like looking at the screen and there's ants on it. Yeah. Um, but I was looking, it's, it's, I was looking at like, what were the options at the time? So I, I have a very large family. And so I'm thinking like, Oh, my, my parents are trying to take us all to the movies. Like what, what are their options for what we can see? And this, Going to Bugs Life kind of really represents the type of children's movie that my parents were uh, jiving with at the time. Because uh, obviously around this same time, the DreamWorks movie Ants uh, premiered. Yes. So that's that's kind of the big story with Bugs Life looking back on it is like uh, there was so much behind the scenes drama with DreamWorks kind of the Katzenberger guy breaking away and then. Did he steal the idea for Bugs Life? Did he not? Uh, and then Ants, and then they released Ants a month before. Um, and that movie was uh, also meant for kids. It's about bugs. It's got some of the same themes as Bugs Life, but it's definitely it's more adult joke oriented in the same way that like Shrek is. Sure, it's, yeah. People always forget that like Ants is kind of the first DreamWorks movie and not Shrek. Mm-hmm. Um, DreamWorks three three D movie. Um, and the, the other, uh, uh, movie intended for kids released in that, uh, November of, uh, 98 was the Rugrats movie. Um, definitely like, uh, the, the idea of like coming in from television, it's, it's a movie based on a TV show that was on Nickelodeon. And as kids, we, (laughs) we didn't really have Nickelodeon. We, we were more of like a PBS kids family. They didn't really want us watching like SpongeBob and stuff like that. So I, it's, it's kind of interesting just like between those three options, I bet you could like, you could really gauge how your childhood was based on like what your parents were taking you to at the time.
1: Yeah. I bet like the kids who got their parents to take them to see ants at the time, (laughs) you know, just turned out to be just wild. (laughs) They're just wild kids, you know? Yeah. Just like incredible, insane kids. Uh, the Rugrats, you know, those are probably like the the nerds, the goody goodies. But yeah, like right in the middle of the road, like you mentioned, like is a bug's life, and so we were talking about this of just like I really want to know like what Joe's remembering about this movie. So like like you said, you're you're part of a gigantic family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're one of six, seven, kids. seven kids. Oh my god, sorry, number seven. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so like the the sheer mechanics of trying to
0: wrangle I can't even imagine
1: all the did all of all of you went the whole household
0: I I I would believe it again like I have like one image in my mind of this film uh, and then the rest is more like oh let's watch bugs life on home video when it comes out let's get it from the library and stuff mm-hmm. like that um but yeah so that's that's the earliest uh theater going experience I have and it kind of paves the way for how my theater experiences would be for the next five-ish years at that point, I guess. Yeah. So I was four with Bugs Life. Um I guess about to turn five. Um and then it kind of became like Disney and other related uh sure. animated movies from then on. You Every
1: know? year after that, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I remember like uh, Emperor's New Groove being huge, Lilo and Stitch being huge, Chicken Run uh, was another like really early uh, theater experience for me as well. Um, so I was I was very much in that generation. And then looking uh, looking at the the full list of Pixar films, it was kind of interesting to see how I've grown out of Pixar. Even though Pixar films, I I think can especially be enjoyable uh, into your adult years, but like a lot of the more recent ones I've either missed completely or just like haven't really stuck with me at all. Like miss Lightyear. I, I don't really think about like Luca or soul that much in the way that like I would, if I had seen them in theaters as a child. So I'm wondering Absolutely. like if Pixar films have the same, like staying power for children these days, um, yeah, uh, I'm. Did back then,
1: I'm curious about it too. I'm. I'd be worried that there might be a little bit of oversaturation going into it. Uh, a lot of just like noise in the world. Mm-hmm. Lots of places for your attention to go to as a kid, right? Um, this movie, that movie, this TV show, these interactive apps, whatever. <laughs> Whereas, you know, when we were kids, it was just like, what movie is coming to the theater this week? Okay, I'm not going to go see that. I'll wait till next month or whatever. Um, yeah, so I, I bet it's some—it's something to do a little bit with that, a little bit of oversaturation. I'm not sure if they have kind of the lasting impact, or maybe that's just us looking nostalgically back at mm-hmm. those movies, because, yeah, like, I've missed a bunch of the recent Pixar outings,
0: There's but- well there's there's also there's obviously been a global pandemic that's happening. There's off there's also been like the rise of Disney Plus. So like their their latest movie Turning Red had a very limited theatrical release but was mainly released on Disney Plus. I really love that one. Um so I it's I, it's it's definitely less of an event uh type of a movie release with Pixar these days and more of uh just adding on to the canon that already exists, I would say.
1: Yeah, I I always love the um, you know the conversation around you know like what is Pixar gonna do next like thematically what mm-hmm. could they do with this it's kind of you know how most people think of like Christopher Nolan movies of just mm-hmm. like what kind of movie is he gonna do next oh he's gonna do a western or western I don't know but like I remember the talk around like when interstellar was coming out you were like oh Nolan is doing a space movie fucking rad and I think similar kind of conversations were happening with Pixar of like when um inside out came out it was you know like it's a pixar movie about emotions how abstract and weird and then you know coco you know talking about like you know dia de los muertos the day of the dead like afterlife Mm -hmm. like how heady and weird and then i think one of the newer ones that's coming out later this year um has to do with like oh elemental elemental i think yeah just elements like it's Kind of seems like a retread, but it's still kind of new and neat. It's they
0: they. It's interesting to see like their their um uh like series of movies, so movies with sequels as opposed to their individual movies, uh, and how they stick out with each other. I think Pixar ultimately kind of wins the battle when comparing Pixar movies to DreamWorks movies in that way. Um, I I do like a lot of DreamWorks movies. I think like kung fu panda and uh, how to train your dragon those entire series are actually pretty uh, awesome but yep. uh, i think pixar standalone movies tend to be a lot stronger um and they they do like you're saying they tend to take these kind of abstract concepts and put them in the the mold of a story uh that is more classically understandable uh to uh children but then uh, to an extent all ages
1: yeah all ages adults, and then how can you just again just ruin somebody's life with you know a cup in a couple minutes you know mm,
0: okay. Seeming,
1: with seemingly innoc in you know innocuous
0: ideas, but that's just how they do you know we're covering so many talking points let me let me give you some quick film stats on mm. a bug's life and then we can get into the trailer, yeah um. A Bug's Life, released in uh, November of 1998, directed by John Lasseter, stars the voices of Dave Foley, Kevin Spacey, uh, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. There's a whole cast list that I opted not to put here because it's like 80 people long. Yep. Um, it made $363 million, but uh, it was against a massive $120 million budget, which Ooh. for 19- 1998 was huge at the time, especially yeah. considering... Toy Story was a thirty million budget, from what I'm seeing. Um, someone check me on that. Um, it was somebody, like- somebody. Okay, here we go. Okay, check this out. What did you say? A hundred
1: and what? I'm seeing hundred and twenty million on my end. Budget in 1998, insane. Yeah. The year following, 1999, The Matrix,
0: sixty three million. Doesn't it feel kind of insane? I guess they they, they were constantly just like reinventing animation as they went. Uh, But it seems like kind of a crazy thing that this was one of the higher budgeted movies of its time. Yeah. If it's so, quote unquote, forgotten uh, at Mm -hmm. this point. Right. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's there's weird movie logic to whether or not a movie makes money, even if like it's gross, outperforms its budget. There's like marketing costs and stuff, so I don't know. Maybe this didn't make too much money. Maybe. Uh, second feature-length movie released by Pixar, and then released between Toy Story and Toy Story 2, and of course, alongside Ants. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on before uh, we get into the trailer was... I think it was this movie. It may have been Toy Story, but this movie kind of started the, um, the tradition of having a, a Pixar short film come before the main film, which yeah. eventually built up into like right now, Pixar shorts are, are kind of used as uh, jumping off points for first time Pixar directors. They, they give them a short movie to do rather than a, a full length movie. Yep. And they put them uh, in front of their regular films. Uh, and so A lot of the Pixar shorts have become just as iconic as the films themselves. And the one I always remember connected to Bugs Life is Jerry's Game. Did you get a chance to watch it?
1: Yes, we totally did. And there's a funny, good side story about this. So uh, I remember you texted me like, oh, to get the full Bugs Life experience, be sure to go ahead and watch Jerry's Game ahead of time.
0: Because it would always Uh, play like on the VHS.
1: Right. it's, It's right in front. But we did it backwards. We watched A Bug's Life, and you text me that later, and you're like, Watch this. So we watched it. But um, later in the day, uh, I think a couple days later, we're like, Oh, I meant Joe mentioned to me, like, we should watch the animated short that came in front of A Bug's Life. It's called, um, I want to say it's Gerald's Game. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And. Ryan went to do a search real quick, and she was like, oh, it's Jerry's game. I was like, yeah, Jerry's game. That's it. Gerald's game is a completely
0: different thing. He's watched the full-length Stephen King adaptation Gerald's game, so we can talk about it as a precursor to Bug's Life.
1: I've seen it already, and Ryan hadn't, and I was like, that would have been a completely different thing. Gerald's
0: game absolutely rocks, by the way.
1: It's I so good. It. Um, and, and she's like, wait, are they similar or whatever? And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and
0: I gave her just a quick synopsis. They're both based off of the same source material.
1: Yeah, right. Just Stephen King wrote Jerry's Game. You <laughs> heard it here, folks. But yeah, like there is still a heart attack present in both of those. <laughs> it <This> is. <laughs> it's so okay.
0: Heart attack cinema. Um, but yeah, I
1: loved Jerry's Game. Um, I had also never seen that either. I'd always heard about it. Like, it's the old guy from Toy Story 2. It's yeah. very cute. It's adorable. But it really is. It's really fun. Um, you know, love that they got to play with that kind of um, narrative device to try like an animated short just to do something fun.
0: I think what it was is like the short was kind of their testing ground for a lot of the animation and like texturizing techniques they used in the actual film. And so they had all this footage and they were like, let's actually just release this as an actual little five minute story. Yeah, Um, That's where that came from. Um yeah so Jerry's given Bugs Life always tied together in my mind. Um let's let's go ahead and play the trailer before we get too far into this. Okay. I've actually seen the Bugs Life trailer. It has it's had so many like re-releases. I don't I don't really know what the original one here
1: is. Yeah, I don't know if this is the original or original adjacent, but we'll see. Here we go. Let's 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 take a dive. From the creators of Toy Story. same year after year they come they eat they leave that's our lot in life it's not a lot but it's our life
0: (laughs) we don't serve grasshoppers squish them we can find bigger bugs to come here and fight what
1: they needed was some help
0: you're perfect
1: what they got was a bunch of
0: clowns Hey, cutie! Want to pollinate with a real bug? <laughs> yeah. So,
1: being a ladybug automatically makes me a girl! Christ! She's a
0: guy! Come on, Francis. You're
1: making the maggots cry. Circus bugs! I thought you were warriors!
0: Walt Disney Pictures presents a Pixar Animation Studios film. For the colony and for oppressed bugs everywhere! Hello there, girly bug.
1: Shoe fly. Don't bother me. your butt off a bug's life how triumphant
0: that's actually a pretty fantastic trailer um starting with baba o'reilly and then getting into the score for a bug's life which i think is one of the better parts of the film um so yeah it's
1: very you know just like jump, let's yeah, and go to do the thing
0: there's the one main uh, like piece associated with it, which is them kind of like triumphantly building the birds and it's like ants working together and stuff. And then that's also the ending piece as well. Um, But it's interesting. So a bug's life. Well, Pixar in general actually becomes so well known for just like dominating the, um, the animated feature Oscar. Um, So when it comes to the Oscars, there's like a best picture, uh, and then there's also uh, an animated best picture. Animated films can also be nominated for best yep. picture. Yes. Um, and so whenever anyone beats uh, a Pixar film that's in contention, that becomes like a pretty big uh, story. Um, but usually Pixar, if if they have a hit on their hands, they're they're going to win it. And oh, yeah. A lot of the times, uh, well, actually a couple of times at this point, um, their films have been nominated for best picture as well, which is like the highest uh, Oscar. So. In Oscar history, only three films, uh, animated films, have been nominated for Best Picture. It started with Beauty and the Beast, um, and then Toy Story 3 and Up were both nominated. Um, So... All this to say, A Bug's Life comes right before they actually establish the animated film category, so it didn't get to be nominated or win in that. Bummer. But it did get a nomination for the score category, which I really like. That's cool. Who did the score? Randy Newman. You know, I
1: Pixar guy. I was surprised, but then wasn't um like as soon as this credit starts to roll it's just like just the book in the boot dude and i was like oh my god randy newman doing his damn thing
0: (laughs) it was
1: so good i was i was pleasantly surprised but also not like completely surprised yeah like oh that makes sense he was like the pixar
0: guy out the gate yeah yeah uh and he has kind of remained he's he's kind of been sequestered into the toy story uh films uh recently but um anytime you hear a randy newman score it's always pretty great yeah you i I always first toy story uh film
1: yeah i i loved the the score and you know just all the weird little little ditties that he did in in toy story so yeah, yeah so i'm i'm uh pleased his punch that he was involved with this one as well Mm -hmm. um yeah so here we go let's let's go ahead and get knock this one out too um before i run out because it's so damn delicious you want to do cocktails you to do cocktail hours uh joe i'm calling this this is a a bug juice this is bug juice (laughs) with
0: an o positive shooter you and your damn shooters. Uh, I do love the O positive joke in this movie. I know, it was good, right?
1: So this, this guy is, this is an ounce and a half of vodka, an ounce of sour mix, an ounce of Midori, top it with Sprite, and it kind of tastes like Mountain Dew. It's delicious. Mm, that actually sounds
0: really uh, sweet and amazing.
1: Yeah, and then the, uh, the O positive is a cinnamon whiskey, splash of grenadine, and two bar spoons of maraschino cherry okay. juice cheers to you and to bugs across the world
0: wait Aww. cheers it? to bugs
1: cheers to the bugs are you to going movies.
0: to add it in or is it like a follow-up is it's a just
1: it's just a side it's a side guy oh, side my God.
0: so it's not like a an, an Irish car bomb or anything like
1: that no 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 and um cherry and cinnamon don't go together
0: <laughs> don't do it folks tell tell that to every gum company ever <laughs> uh, what do you got well, over there what I have, so I am I was originally going to call it the Red Finch after the uh, uh, deeply scary and antagonistic bird from this movie. Yeah. Um, but it didn't turn out as red as I wanted, so I'm just calling it the Finch. I'm working off of a recipe that was called the Gold Finch, uh, except I replaced some of the items in it with vermouth. So what this is, it's like a little blanc white wine situation with vermouth. Um... There's like an orange bitters. There's a lot of lemon juice, um, and then it's all topped off with uh, kind of a club soda. Three parts of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a little fizzy. It's very sweet, uh, and it tastes lemony. Uh, I the love Finch. that. I love that. The
1: Finch. Cheers to you. Mm. Yeah.
0: Cheers. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, Justin, before we get to deeply into it i have i I, I of course have like a random assortment of notes from just watching this movie that i want to point out but before Mm -hmm. we do that let's have you do plot description for a bug's life oh god i forgot (laughs) i i feel like uh our podcast is getting better and better congratulations on episode 10 by the way this is our official episode 10
1: episode 10 double digits
0: skills are getting better and our plot description skills are getting rapidly worse with every episode Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of fun to see that narrative progress i know i Um, know so let's keep it going Um, why not i'm going to give you one minute okay Um, hold please. And then you're going to tell us the plot of the bug's life and you're going to be tempted to start describing every single character. Do not do that because you will get lost.
1: Yep. I've learned from your mistakes. Many mistakes. Yes. Yes. Keep it general. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Here we go. A bug's life follows a very specific, uh, ant colony on a little island and they are in a class warfare battle with these oppressive grasshoppers they come in every year they take all their food and just because they can uh but this year flick uh the the you know outcast uh ant says no more we're not going to do that anymore i'm going to go into town i'm going to go to Bugtown and get some warrior bugs but he ends up getting circus bugs uh, but he brings them in anyway uh there's a classic misdirection um and miscommunication but they stay and fight anyway and they come up with, uh, you know, a, a de- deus ex machina of, you know, a bird to scare away the grasshoppers because grasshoppers are scared of bug or birds. Uh, they do that. They fight and they win the day, and uh, bugs are all better for it. And everybody cheers, and uh, nobody dies. The end. That's a bug's life.
0: Wow! Perfect timing. Um... Yeah, it sounds a lot more dramatic when you uh say it like that. It's it's very lame as a Yeah, right. absolutely nobody dies brutally in this movie. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's great.
1: And um yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward, you know, like I said narratively. It's it's a little predictable mm-hmm. in terms of like, okay, you can kind of see that this flick character from the introduction from the get-go, he's a tinkerer he's, uh, bucks the system kind of, he's trying to do better, Mm -hmm. but he just can't get it right. He can't catch a break, you know, but you can kind of tell like, he's going to go out on his own and he's going to try to get help and it's not going to go his way, his way, but they're going to stay anyway out of some sort of compassion or something. Um, and they are going to beat the grasshoppers and in the end.
0: This, this story is ultimately about uh, teaching teaching the kids that it's okay to step out of line. It's okay to kind of raise your head and be the, the one voice in protest because that'll ultimately... This story is about like what it takes to cause a revolution uh, yeah. in society. Uh,
1: yeah, basically. It's okay, kids, to talk back. You
0: know, it's okay to question authority. A hundred percent. I'm all about it. And I... I, like I it. I really um you can you can tell that this is like early animation so it doesn't look like as slick as some of the uh, later Pixar movies it's it's a lot smoother but I really do like how there's so many like clear sets in this movie like uh when you get to a, a Pixar movie like Soul or like Incredibles 2 these these set pieces are excuse me oh my god these set pieces are like so expansive there's yeah. big crowds and stuff whereas with A Bug's Life it's almost like it's it's pretty cozy. It's it's very contained, both in terms of um, the literal locations that they are using, um, so they don't have to design too much background. Yeah. Um. But then also contained in terms of its story, like you're saying, like it has a lot of like archetypes. It has a lot of like very clear um, motivations for sides. A uh, very clear ending. Um, it's yeah. not. It's not trying to be too existential or anything like that. It's, no,
1: and I appreciated that. Like and it makes sense like you said i mean uh you can't animate every single blade of grass out to ad infinitum you know mm-hmm. out past so like they keep it real close to the ground and that makes sense because you're trying to tell it tell it from a literal bug's perspective and they can only see so far and so tall so it probably saved them you know a ton of extra headache extra dollars to to pump out these extravagant Insanely detailed backgrounds, but yeah, I do love the, the multiple, um, unique stage set pieces. Like the main one is like the, the anthill colony, Mm -hmm. the island of just like the the blades of grass and, um, you know, under into the, the actual anthill itself. I made a note
0: that I, I really do love the inside of the anthill and how they design that and how it's all kind of lit up by these like glowing blue mushroom, uh, style things. It's, it's, it's an interesting way to do that. It. it looks like, it looks like something out of the matrix in there. It's like, uh, dirt tunnels, but also these like weird branches of dirt that the ants are crawling on. It's, it's really cool.
1: Yeah. I wish we could have got a little more look and live in that space a little bit more. Um, but like I, I get to to push the narrative forward, it, it makes sense to do stuff outside and kind of get to explore the space. I love the sequence of going to the the downtown Bug City or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just that was just like a visual feast of lights, cleverly used of just lightning bugs. Um, you know, like found objects making things. Um, mm-hmm. The circus tent, obviously, really clever, really cool. Uh, the things that they're using in there. And then,, um, you know, I loved the sequence of the just like the dry riverbed and the battle with the the finch and everything. Um, super cool pieces, but like you know, again, it's just very limited. Really.
0: you can you can see that like the the I almost want to say like shapes they have access to, the textures they have access to are a little bit limited compared to animation today. but I think this. Uh, And again, like bringing it back to like the Pixar versus DreamWorks, I think a movie like this holds up a little bit better than DreamWorks at the time, because DreamWorks was maybe trying to make things look a little bit more realistic, uh, especially with like their Shrek films. They had like a lot of humans in there. And so now you look back at those and they fall a little bit into the uncanny valley, whereas in a movie like Bugs Life, uh, they these characters have very specific designs that uh, tend to age a little bit better. Like I think yeah. this movie still looks pretty good.
1: Yeah, I was I was really surprised because um, it's almost sort of like night and day. Looking at the first Toy Story and then looking at a Bug's Life, mm-hmm. uh, going back and watching the first Toy Story, like a lot of this stuff looks pretty rudimentary. Um, even though like you're like the four times the budget comes into play. Yeah, <laughs> and also too, just like the the veil of nostalgia and just kind of like the, like you said, the JPEGs like stored away in your mind, it looks a lot more clearer and a lot more, you know, um, surreal, I guess, locked away back in your memory versus it. When you go back and watch and you're like, Oh, that's pretty blocky. Or you can kind of tell the lighting isn't quite right, but it still looks cool. But yeah. comparing the first toy story to a bug's life, they figured out a lot of new things. They- um, shadows
0: lighting incredible they're doing some cool stuff with like transparency when it comes to like the leaves the leaves on the ceiling and stuff and they're doing some cool stuff with water especially towards the end when like this terrifying torrential downpour comes when you think uh oh this movie's about to end no it's about to have this insane final act yeah um yeah so I guess walk me through what, what were your expectations going into this? What did you know about a bug's life? Uh, I it's very weird general title, right?
1: Yeah. Right. Um, you know, like life of bugs, like a uh, flicks journey, like would be terrible, right? Of bugs. Yeah. <laughs> life of bugs. Um, I knew nothing really about this movie. Um, the only kind of thing, like I sort of remember, maybe like in the news or something like that, like Dennis Leary is in the latest Pixar movie. And I was like, Dennis Leary, okay. The guy from Rescue Me or Stand Up Comedian before that. Um, I think I already knew that, but I didn't know of anything else really. I I, I knew nothing of the story. I had no idea what to expect. Um, I had no idea. It was so just like class warfare, pro-union, pro-railroad, you know. (laughs) <laughs> anti-establishment i thought that was fantastic but i it's, had no idea that's
0: what it was it's very much throwing off your chains uh yeah it's the the cast of this film is surprisingly stacked um so one of the one of the little blurbs i saw was that like so much of this cast was taken out of like famous people from sitcoms of the 90s at the yes. time yes yeah, so like five different main cast members here were starting in five different shows. So obviously, you have Julia Louis Dreyfus from Saint Seinfeld playing Princess Ada. Um, you have David Hyde Pierce as Slim the Walking Stick, uh, who was on Frasier at the time. Let me see. You have uh, Jonathan Ratzenberger was on Cheers. I don't know if that extended to '98 though. I never no, saw this. it. Didn't. Brad Garrett was on uh, everyone. Everybody loves Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond uh, and then Richard Kind uh, and Dave Foley as well. I think we're on their own shows too. So it's it's kind of interesting if you're like the casting director for this movie, you're like, who are the kids loving these days? Yes. <laughs> they love Frasier.
1: <laughs> Get that guy from Frasier on here right now. Get him on the line. So yeah, I made I made some notes about the the cast. So like the whole time, um, I was trying to place Flick. It's like, I recognize the shit out of this voice. I can't place it. It's almost like David Spade, I want to say, but I can't place it. And then later I was like,
0: oh shit, okay, that's David Foley. Of course, that makes sense. That checks out. Um, Kids that Kids is the was hall and all that one, one I never knew growing up. I had mm-hmm. no idea who Dave Foley was. I've never really seen him in anything else besides this, even though I know he so kids in the hall is like a Canadian sketch show. Or yeah. Like that, right? Yep.
1: Um, okay. there's a bunch of other people in there too, that you would recognize as well. Um, but yeah, that, that was one that I was trying to like really rack my brain. Like who is this voice? I know it. <laughs> um, I couldn't place, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus for the life of me. Ryan mm-hmm. called it out too. She's like, Oh, that's totally Elaine. I was like, damn it. You're right. I should have known that. Um, hey hey yeah as dot i was like whoa that's crazy is this like one of her first early credits yeah yeah that's
0: amazing um this is yeah. also so obviously you have john ratzenberger voicing the flea guy pt flea um he ends up providing his voice to i think every pixar film still at this point yeah so um, i don't i don't know their, if that they're at- Easter-
1: I don't know if at like the second movie outing, they knew that that was going to be a thing like, <laughs> Hey, John Ratzenberger, come on back. Late let's we're, this is going to be a thing that's going
0: to happen. And then like, uh, this guy weirdly keeps working for free. I don't, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Right. It's kind of a, 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 a Milton sort of situation. <laughs> um, and then the same kind of thing happens with uh, when he, when flick goes to bug city or whatever, you see the truck, from uh pizza planet yep. and i was like oh look at them look at them they're they're doing the thing that everyone associates with
0: it i haven't followed up so pizza planet was uh something that showed up in every pixar movie up until recent memory i haven't found it in the recent ones or i haven't like been looking for it i guess I, i'm wondering if they're still doing that yeah but, like
1: the the truck the rocket or the ball i think is is one that's also in ball. there
0: yeah, this is also the start of Bonnie Hunt uh, showing up as kind of a recurring Pixar voice. She's in a lot of the Toy Story movies at this point. She's in Cars, obviously. She's the, the main um, love interest there. And then she's, I think she's in Monsters Inc. as well. Yeah. Um, and then, kind There's of,
1: Here's a big call-out. Here's a big crossover event. I put this in italics. Crossover event, all caps. Madeline Kahn. I
0: was just about to say this.
1: Yes. Uh, Yes. Gypsy Moth, as famously noted from our third episode of uh, Young Frankenstein, Mm -hmm. Madeline Kahn making an
0: appearance. I just love that uh, if we're talking about like multiple appearances of actors, Madeline Kahn is kind of one of the first doubles we have. Yep. Love it. Um, And And then then uh, Dennis Leary's pretty
1: great. Dennis Leary and then Kevin Spacey boo yeah. uh, S. Hopper.
0: He gets eaten by a bird.
1: Yep, super cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I lied during my uh, uh, my review or not my review, but my um, my plot description. He dies.
0: <laughs> oh, I thought we were both being sarcastic. Yes, he definitely. No, I forgot he gets brutally ripped apart by a bird. You just don't see it.
1: Yep. I I thought I was like that is so <laughs> So violent and dark, just the implication of like what's gonna happen to him
0: um my bird he's crazy. a grasshopper, he'd die in like a week anyway. who cares that's true
1: um, I, I was curious to know I wanted to do the science deep dive um science listeners uh chime in whenever you you can, uh however you see fit,
0: like what's the average lifespan of an ant? Oh, I think that would just depress us, would it? <laughs> I'd I say less. I don't know. I think they're very seasonal creatures. So I would say like maybe three to six months, depending on the ant uh, like constantly, constantly being replaced that you almost have to treat the entire colony as a being rather than the individual ants. But that Ooh. goes against the whole entire message of this movie. That's true.
1: But it, you know, you become, if you become a symbol, if you become something more master wine, you know, you can mm-hmm. change the, the change the tide um one one quick sidebar so you mentioned you know they maybe live six months whatever i love the quote from the random fly at the circus that like i only got 24 hours to live
0: i ain't gonna waste it here i thought that was genius There's so many great throwaway lines that kind of leads me into my next note here so as a like, four to six year old, like watching this, I'm not really taking in the plot to none, nine, you no. know, but what I do remember about this movie is like the single funny lines or funny like sight gags that kind of stand out. So you have the kind of the recurring line of like the rock and him trying to make a metaphor that a rock is a seed and no one really gets it. And then yeah, Hayden Benatar is like, but it's a rock flick. I love that bit. Um, one of the things that always used to crack us up that we quoted all the time as kids was the when he first arrives at the bug town, like outside of the trailer, it doesn't show him at first. It actually shows these two light bugs. Uh, around <laughs> yeah. the electric thing, And one of them just slowly starts going and the guy's like, no, Jerry, don't do it. I can't. <laughs> I remember that
1: being in one of the trailers or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing.
0: Um, your dad's right. He's going to die. Francis, your boyfriend's from the circus. Um, and then anything uh, with Heimlich the Caterpillar. Which I is had this exact same filler. note. No filler.
1: I had the exact same note. I've always found German accents hilarious. <laughs> I don't know why. But anytime Heimlich was on screen and had lines, I was dying.
0: It's so good him just like breaking out into full on German words whenever he's getting stressed out. <laughs> he says like schnell a lot. Yeah. It's so good. It's genius. They were having fun,
1: you could tell the cast and crew were having fun.
0: Uh, um the the moment when the circus bugs first arrive and they haven't really gotten in the mix up yet that they think they're supposed to be performing for some sort of elaborate dinner theater. Um, and then the, the garden class does the mural drawing that shows so much blood. <laughs> and then the caterpillars. <laughs> so good. And they the said
1: we had to draw somebody dying because it would be more dramatic. Like, that was <laughs> so good. That was so good.
0: Look um, at all the blood.
1: One quote I that stuck out To me, as like, ooh, that's really good. And it's one that I follow as a manager, a people manager of of sorts. So it's like when Hopper and his gang first bust in and they're like, where's all the food? And like, I think Princess Ada is like, tries to make excuses or something like that. And Hopper's like, first rule of leadership, everything is your fault. Mm. And I was like, ooh, that is genius. That is so
0: good. Kevin Spacey, despite being a terrible human being, is actually pretty terrifying in this movie in a great way. Um, and yeah. I love I love what they do specifically with sound when it comes to the grasshoppers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have this really menacing humming sound when they're first arriving, um, and you never see them arrive, and then they crash through the ceiling because the food's gone, because Flick uh, messed it up. Terrifying. That's their first entrance. And then it happens again, where they do this whole, like, bird plan troop, uh, and then that kind of falls apart a little bit. And then they've realized, like, it's not going to work. Their plan is uh, not going to help them defeat the grasshoppers. They've run out of time to gather the food. Uh, and it's foggy. Uh, and so, like, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that, like, this level of fog in animation hadn't really been done before. And then you hear the humming and it's, like, Deafening, and they're all crowded together, and then it just stops. Yeah, uh, and it's like jaws at this point, and then the grasshoppers like slowly approach through the emerge fog. out uh, of the fog. Very cool. Yeah, there's, there's a weird, cool touch. Like terror moments found in little things in this movie. So there's the grasshoppers. I I, I said it before. Like never has a bird been more terrifying than in this movie. Uh, and then uh, the rain coming is also like apocalyptic when it happens too.
1: Right, because it makes sense on a scale. You know, everything's subjective. When you're that big, rain, like, and I think there was like, also you mentioned sound design. The sound design of the rain falling Mm -hmm. is also like cataclysmic because
0: it's just these giant water drops. And you can Um, tell, you you can almost tell that they didn't really have the technology to show like things being wet just yet. But so the water droplets themselves are each like very, solid looking almost, but it almost works better in that way. It's almost like a meteor shower in the way they're just like exploding all around
1: everyone. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, the beach is a Normandy at this point. <laughs> it be, it turns into a war movie. You know, you mentioned, you know, there's bits of terror. There's bits of like anxiety, stress, that kind of thing. But the call out that I saw at the beginning
0: mm-hmm.
1: of this movie started, it said rated G, but it contains depictions of tobacco use.
0: Interesting. What?
1: I guess it's in Bug City somewhere, is or at the bar,
0: a cigar or something.
1: Can they? They're bugs. They're tiny. They, they don't have, have the bar. lung. They don't have the lung capacity.
0: Um, There's, There's also the great scene at the uh, Grasshoppers Hideout, which is in like a, it's in like an abandoned cactus plus uh, sombrero, sombrero. Yeah. Um, it's the great scene where he's like, uh, "Oh, does one seed hurt you? Does two? And then he completely buries them and kills them beneath like a massive uh, avalanche of seeds. And it becomes the metaphor. It's, it's a lot. uh, It's a lot of metaphors with like seeds and rocks in this movie. When it comes Mm -hmm. to like one thing, not seeming uh, so important uh, or big uh, in its small state, but it has a lot of potential. This movie is about the potential to grow into something bigger.
1: Yeah. Like you mentioned, it's, this is how you start. This is revolution. One Oh one kids like saddle up, take notes, Stand up and don't take no shit. Yeah. Like, I, I can't wait to show this to 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 my daughter. She's gonna eat it up.
0: Just always question motives, a- always follow the money. Yep. <laughs> and then <laughs> this movie starts uh an animated tradition that I really wish they were still doing these days, which is uh animated bloopers at the ending. Uh did yeah. you stay through the credits to watch? I them? did
1: st- I did stay through it because Uh, I wasn't sure if that was, like, an already surefire thing for Pixar movies yet or not. But I was like, let me just stay behind, like, stay and watch and see what happens. And then I was pleasantly surprised uh, of, like, oh, this is when they probably started doing that.
0: Yeah. It feels like they did that forever. I think it was just, like, this Toy Story 2 and Monsters, Inc. are the only ones that have bloopers, which is kind of insane. Yeah, like, who...
1: Who thought that was an, like a good idea? Were they going to follow up with that in every single movie? They should bring
0: it back. I'm saying I want more of it. I, I think it's always hilarious. It's good. Yeah, it's good. You're right. <laughs> um, okay. Well, Justin, so if we're talking about Pixar as a whole, um, mm. I'm really glad that this 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 gap in your knowledge has been filled. Yeah, me um, too. So where. I guess like what 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 else are you consuming these days in the realm of uh, animated movies like so you have a one plus year old at this point um, not really are we are we thinking at the level of Pixar uh, just yet or is it still uh, more Sesame Street?
1: Yeah, baby, this is we are watching Sesame Street every single day. Mm-hmm. Um at the exact same time, essentially, almost every every day at seven thirty, it's after dinner. It is Sesame Street time. Get out of the way, baby's got to watch her stories. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also coupling that with a lot of Mickey Mouse, Disney Junior, that kind of thing. Love it. And then also like big popular, uh, big big popular with kids these days is um Miss Rachel. Who's is, Miss Rachel? Oh my God, Joe! Like do it. Do a quick Google search. Um, she's. I would say- say the popular thing is bluey,
0: but like you tell me
1: for like infants, you know, um, miss Rachel is this super incredible, lovely. Um, she is a mom herself. I don't know if she is in fact a teacher, but she uses like teacher like practices, um, speech pathology, all this kind of stuff to like interact with and teach your kid. Mm-hmm. You know, basic language skills and communication skills. And it's very rudimentary. It's very sing songy. It's very cute and addictive. And, but like in the right way. Um, <laughs> it, this isn't like, um, there's, there's been studies on it. It's not like damaging to your kid as screen time because it's kind of in the, in, um, in the style of like a video call kind of thing. Cause she's like, real big, it's very amateur kind of like shoot on a green screen with animations in the background and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But you know, she's teaching them like ABCs and how to like do basic sign language stuff. You know, it's really cool. And you know, um, my kids picked up a lot of stuff from it. So we alternate between that and Mickey mouse, uh, like an hour or so a day and then Sesame street. So we're not into feature lengths. We're not into deeper TV or anything like that yet. Um, we did go to we did go to the dentist today. Today was our first day at the at the pediatric dentist. The real um, life dentist. Yeah, she did great. She's a rock star. She Aww. rules. Um, and they had Bluey on TV, and she was just kind of like, "Oh, look at that." Um, so, like, I think a lot of that stuff would kind of go over her head at right
0: now. And Bluey can be more for kids or uh, adults, actually. Um, Are there some, so if we talk about like feature length movies for kids, are there some feature length movies that you're looking forward to sharing with her? Um, We've, we've covered, we've covered a bit of kids movies on this podcast so far and a bit of animated material too. Um, I don't know if like over the garden wall would be a bit much for, you know, a toddler, but
1: honestly, I I think it's digestibility of, you know, short episodes, you know, mini episodes could be easily digestible and
0: there's kind there of are like 10 minutes yeah yeah
1: so it's it, it could be easy to do to take in for a kid definitely later this year come the fall and autumn time we're going to be watching it and she'll be taking in more stuff so yeah i'm excited to you know show her you know um uh nightmare before christmas mm-hmm. and you know the original grinch and the grinch with jim carrey and all this kind of stuff like later um but for now like her attention span is, is short enough as it is. And also we don't want to just inundate her with, you know, constant distraction and screen time kind of thing. There's more stuff to do besides movies. There's more stuff to do. Like she's working on all kinds of things, but um, yeah, we're not quite there yet.
0: Alrighty. Um, okay. Well, just some last thoughts on bugs life, Pixar's second movie before I get into this slightly <laughs> insane game. I've
1: yeah. Uh more thoughts on this? Um Yeah, I I was pleasantly surprised with it. I wasn't, in all honesty, blown away. Uh I thought it was a very safe, straightforward kind of movie. Solid movie, yeah. It's a solid movie, and taking it for what it was, I had no idea that it was the second movie out the gate, which makes it that much more impressive. Um, all the gags they were trying to you know instill that they've done that have lasted the test of time, like we already talked about. Um, you know, albeit a strange mix of voice cast, but a a strong one at that, I'll say. Um, you know it, it was it was it was a good time. and I was again just very, very taken aback by the, the 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 layers you peel it back and you're like oh this is this is a, a a movie about oppression and rising up and not taking bullshit from an upper class system you know like there's like racism at play like it's amazing the stuff that you can peel back and read into it if you wanted
0: yeah it's it's interesting to see it as well like as the second movie in the pixar lineup like Toy Story was kind of this one-off hit, but Bug's Life is the one that establishes a pattern, right? Um, yeah. So you you start to know like okay, this is what a Pixar movie starts to look like. This it's going to have this kind of stacked cast. It's going to have this type of like smart but like uh, kid friendly humor. It's going to have this type of uh, animation where you've uh, you've never really like seen characters like this before. Yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting to kind of treat that as the building block for bigger Pixar movies to come.
1: Yeah, and then another thing that I took away from this is just the sheer insanity of trying to imagine a family of nine wrangling their seven snot-nosed kids from the mountains of northern Georgia. Oh, it was
0: Atlanta at that point. We were singing it here in Atlanta. Okay,
1: <laughs> but still, just all this uh, this clan of... You know, seven kids, two adults trying to like make it happen in a movie theater um, yeah. is something that'll that'll stick with me now that I know about this about you.
0: Maybe that's the reason I only have one image in my mind of Bugs Life is because we left immediately after that because we couldn't all just like sit still.
1: I can't imagine the amount of popcorn and bullshit that you guys left on the floor.
0: <laughs> Nightmare. Um. OK, well, Justin. Let me tell you something about uh, this game that I have concocted. I had okay. a dream the other night before uh-huh. I thought through this, where we literally were doing this episode of the podcast, recording it, and I hadn't come up with the game. And it became this thing where it was like too late to admit to you that I haven't come up with <laughs> due to shame and stuff. But we were also like... Getting half an hour in, an hour in, and I was like, "What? What is going to happen uh, when we get to this game?" And I got nothing because um, I had like I I had given you the name of this game before I actually came up with what it was. Did
1: you? Oh my god, I love
0: that. <laughs> um. Okay. So if if you ever doubt how concerned I am with this podcast, just know that I'm having stress dreams about it
1: at this. Point. That's amazing. You're having those college dreams of like I didn't finish my
0: report in time and I'm late for class. <laughs> um so why don't you uh go ahead and play the intro for what we are calling uh Pixar Thunderdome? Oh
1: my god, here we go.
0: Do you like that, Joe? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, I, I told you to kind of give it some Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome vibes. A movie I've never seen. Same. Uh, and I I, I think you, you pulled it off. Thank you. Um, okay. Here's how this is going to work. Uh, picture yourself, Justin. Uh, it is the post-apocalyptic future. You find yourself fighting for your life in the Pixar Thunderdome. Ooh. It's exactly how you picture it. It's gladiatorial. It's this massive arena. Yes. In the Thunderdome, you will have to fight and defeat five different Pixar characters. Okay. Notice I'm not necessarily saying kill here because I don't want us like killing Pixar characters, but you can treat it kind of like a video game where, like, if you kill them, they will respawn elsewhere. They Sure. They can, sure. You know, yeah. whatever. Okay. So five rounds. Take note of this. Okay. Each round. You can pick one weapon from the following list to use. You can use only one weapon uh, one time, right? So once you use it, you can't use it again. Are you ready? I'm going to give you five weapons. Yes. Okay. Number one, a wooden spoon from Ratatouille. Number two, one million balloons from up. Number three, the fire extinguisher from Wally. Number four, the exploding rocket from Toy Story. And number five, Syndrome Zero Point Energy Gloves from The Incredibles. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Yep. His little freeze glove thingies. So notice the weapons kind of increased in power as we went. Oh, yes. Um, So the way we're going to do this, uh, I think in our games in the past few episodes, they've gotten uh, very trivia focused. And I was like, I could do a Pixar trivia game. But this is probably the only Pixar movie we're really going to be able to cover, just given the rules of our podcast. Kind of wanted to go all out. So we're going to get back into more of like improvisational style. Okay. That I'm into I'm it. With. Yeah. I'm going to give you I'm going to walk you through 5 rounds of this gladiatorial combat and I'm going to introduce a Pixar character with every round that you have to defeat whichever way you see fit just walk me through it. Defeat, get them to yield or, you know, just like poof them out of existence. Done. Um every single time using one of the weapons on that list. Okay. The But I can only use them once. You can only use them once. And the final rule, the final rule, is that you have a one-time phone a friend option where you can summon any single Pixar character to help you defeat an enemy.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm, there. I'm with you.
0: Okay. Are you ready? So round one you're you're in your gladiatory you're you're in your gladiator outfit also yes. a callback to our secret episode 1 yep, gotcha. um you you enter the arena crowds are going wild and you They're don't really, you don't really see the 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 character you're supposed to be fighting until you realize that on the ground is the entire ant colony from a bug's life nice. which weapon do you choose
1: uh Let's see. I'm just going to go ahead and get my phone a friend out the way, just so I don't have to rely on it later. <laughs> I'm going to call. Bold. Yeah. I'm going to call the whale from Finding Nemo. Okay, okay. To just poof into existence, into the arena, thus squishing the bugs. Squishing
0: the bugs. Uh, done. Easy. You know, done. Yeah, you you done. gave up possibly the best weapon I could possibly give you in round one. Yep. Yeah. Um, here's a hint. They're going to get harder as we go. That's fine. Uh, but those fine. bugs are gone. <laughs> they, um, they are super gone. And so is the whale because the whales out of water.
1: That's unfortunate. But... So
0: which, which weapon were you carrying at the time? Cause you got to cross one weapon off the list. Oh,
1: I do. Okay. Um, I had, I had the, obviously I had the wooden spoon in
0: hand. <laughs> that makes sense. You didn't want to bat all those ants with the wooden spoons. Maybe you pick off a few survivors here and there. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Round two. The 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 level kind of like raises up. You're in some somehow like another gladiatorial arena. Except it's like kind of darker in here. It's a little spooky.
1: Can I just say that this is playing out very Dungeons and Dragons? Should I go grab my dice so I can roll for initiative?
0: I, I need the little like shield thingy. That the yeah. DM, uh, I love it. Okay. I, I was kind of thinking uh, using my D and D skills going through this. Okay. Um. All right. It's darker. All right. Uh Again, you don't really see uh, who the enemy is uh, until you kind of walk out in the middle. It's kind of misty. There's like these weird structures all over the place. And you get smacked in the back of the head by what feels like a reptilian tail. From Monsters, Inc., it's Randall who has the ability to camouflage himself like a chameleon so that he's invisible. Okay. You have already used your phone a friend. And the wooden spoon. first round pick. Yeah. (laughs) What weapon are you picking and how are you defeating Randall?
1: I'm going in order and I'm going to grab the million. I'm going to summon the million balloons.
0: (laughs) They (laughs) all appear.
1: I grab hold of the million balloons and I immediately ascend. (laughs) Tell me more. And I'm just waiting. I'm waiting it out. I'm hanging out there because he's got to eat. He's got to sleep. And I'm just waiting him out until he just perishes. Justin, you have to eat and sleep. (laughs) So above here, what I'm getting, I'm picking off, you know, airborne, avian type of (laughs) food. (laughs) I'm catching my food up here, you see. Birds fly by snatch, munch. I'm good to go. And I'm watching as he slowly, this is days, by the way. This has turned to weeks.
0: Brutal. The crowd below just like slowly gets smaller and smaller as people kind of tire out. Like I'm
1: losing, and I'm slowly kind of like coming down as like a couple balloons pop. (laughs) <laughs> but like at week three, Randall finally kills over and dies. And then
0: I'm already like a foot off the ground, so I just kind of land and I'm and I win. I emerge this, victorious. This is what the plug up should have been. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> you gave me a good answer there. You used up your one million balloons. All right. Round three. See, you think the arena is ga- kind of going, kind of going to like rise up uh, into a new one? No, it doesn't. It's the same. Instead, it's the same arena. Randall's dead body is still there. <laughs> There's these like weird kind of tall structures around you, little obelisk things, and the arena starts filling up with water. Ooh. Um. So it gets to be about let's say thirty feet deep. Randall's body kind of floats away. And falls. <laughs> And you're kind of like perched on one of these obelisk things there. So now they're, they're kind of like these little mini islands now in mm-hmm. the arena. And then you see it kind of coming and then starting to circle you a fin from mm-hmm. finding Nemo. It is Bruce the shark and he is no longer a vegetarian. I love it. Oh, because I could probably cut my leg or something on the obelisk trying to climb up. Blood is in the water. Yeah, you've got like, bird blood all over you from eating <laughs> them, I guess.
1: <laughs> yes. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna look up into the crowd, and who do I see? But I see the guy from Jaws is there. He's just there watching, and he he's uh, the main guy from Jaws. He's, he's like a hellish
0: him. limbo that we're in right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. I see him and I immediately think, I know what I need to do. I know what I must do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. I summon the fire extinguisher. And I I wait.
0: Going in order. Okay. I
1: wait. I wait for Bruce to kind of like come up, kind of of like to take a chomp at me. Uh I take the fire extinguisher and I throw it to his mouth. And at the exact time as that happens, I look over and I summon to the guy in the crowd. I say now, and he just can't help himself. He is compelled to pull out his rifle and shoot the fire extinguisher as it's in Bruce's mouth as he's opening
0: and uh, Bruce
1: explodes, just
0: like okay. it did at the at the end of Jaws. You cheated your ass into a second weapon there, but I love the improvisational skills at work. So I will accept the fact that um, Robert Shaw somehow ended up in the crowd of this. Yes. Uh, arena. Yep. OK, that was a one timer. Um, I know. I know. <laughs> OK um bruce chunks flying everywhere (laughs) again they 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 fade away they disappear um bruce is fine um the the water levels uh slowly uh uh go down uh the red water just like drains away and you're just you're 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 it
1: it was roy schneider by the way roy schneider from jaws 1974 he's there anyway okay go ahead the water's draining
0: I said the guy who got eaten by the shark. Right. Yeah. Um, Okay. The water's draining away. Uh, You're kind of dripping. You're a little bloody. And then you hear this kind of like futuristic mechanical sound kind of whirring around you. Uh, And then you hear a a slightly robotic female voice from the sky that just says directive, directive, um, it is Eve from Wally. And let me remind you that Eve is an incredibly futuristic robot that is equipped with, um, I think, uh, like rocket launchers in her arms and she can fly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, what I do, again, I love sticking to order. I'm compulsive in that way. I'm going to summon
0: you the order of the weapon.
1: <laughs> I'm giving the order, uh, weapon number four. I summon the exploding rocket, which is really just a, just a bottle rocket. Right. Um, so I summon it, but I don't, I don't, oh my God, I don't touch it. I let it like, kind of like, uh, pixelate into, into thin air and kind of just like descend, but I treat it with such reverence. You know, I'm just like, oh my God, this can't, what, what is this? And i am start to worship it.
0: I really hoped you would go this direction and I love it. Keep going.
1: I'm starting to worship it. And I'm like, like, why can you see, can you even believe this to, to her just circling around? And as she's kind of like doing her thing, like targeting, um, and I go to bow one more time. Um, the, the match that I find on the ground, which was inside of Bruce's stomach, it's just there. It is now dry bone dry. I, I do the thing where I flick it with my thumb. As I'm bowing down, I flick it with my thumb and I light the bottle rocket as she's coming down to like inspect it and it's just, and then it shoots up into like her mainframe screen and then just Uh explodes. And then, you know, chips and particles everywhere.
0: I was was, victorious. Yeah. I was really hoping as part of uh, one of your strategies here in this game, you would try to befriend one of them and defeat them through friendship. And that was kind of what this was. Um, So very good. It was through bewilderment
1: and, you know, idling uh you know uh praising to a false
0: idol <laughs> she okay. fell for it fool um the crowd loves it uh they're cheering your name um uh they're they're cheering justin they're all kind of wondering what 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 where does the name justin come from where where in rome <laughs> uh, and then uh the name uh slowly starts changing from justin to something else they're doing kind of like a uh, 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 a, a slow dance in the crowd. They're kind of like uh, uh, rocking back and forth on their heels because they know who's coming, the defending champion. Uh, they start just saying Bob over and over yes. again. Yeah. Um, and out steps in full garb, fully like a uh, late stage movie. He's like fit as hell now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Mr. Incredible from The Incredibles. Yeah. And I hate that the last weapon you have is the one that is used against him.
1: that he's familiar with it. I know. That's just how it goes, you know? Um, as, the tr- as the crowd's cry start to kind of like dwindle down into just this noise to me, mm-hmm. I summon the energy gloves and he recognizes them too. So, but he's cocky. He hasn't learned anything from either of his movies. He has
0: super strength and he's pretty much invulnerable. Right. What I do...
1: I grab these anti, what are they called? Like zero gravity, zero G, zero point energy gloves, zero point energy gloves. I use them on myself to okay. propel myself up in the air, high out of his reach, high mm-hmm. up in the air. So I use one glove to, you know, uh, get myself level there and I use the other and I turn it, I make sure to like turn it to like turbo and I grab at the s- at the moon. I'm summoning the moon.
0: So you're you're pulling a Thanos. <laughs> I'm pulling a Thanos. I'm grabbing
1: the moon. <laughs> and I slam it down on top of his body and the, <laughs> the rest of the arena. And there's no one left to cheer for me when I come down. <laughs> and the gloves just, you know, dematerialize off my hands and there's no one there to cheer for me but I know I am victorious.
0: And this just ends with you in just like a white matrix void. Um, (laughs) Because the planet
1: is no more. Because I've just slammed the moon.
0: (laughs) Justin. uh, What have I done? (laughs) Okay. I, I love that you took this insane game and somehow like... Made it into a metaphor for what the bug's life was also trying to tell is like, just kind of topple the, the hierarchy here. Yeah. Don't just like uh, up, upend the social structure. So instead of defeating my champion, what you did was essentially crush the idea of gladiatorial combat. in Exactly. General. Exactly. Generations to come. <laughs> wow. That's what I was trying to do. Powerful stuff. I don't think you've ever done better at a game. Thank you. Me neither. <laughs> right. Definitely my swan song. Fantastic. Um, okay. Well, that is our episode on a bug's life. Uh, the children's film from Pixar. Yes. Um, Justin, why don't you tell uh, before we before we close out, why don't you tell people uh, what they can expect from our next little month long mini series? What do we got going?
1: Yeah, so until further notice, uh, until we get into a slump where we run out of ideas, um, we're going to do like monthly themes. Um, as I've mentioned before, your boys love a theme. Um, so this first month of the year, January, the theme was firsts. It was my first movie that I saw in theaters, co-ed style with friends without parents. This was Joe's first experience in a theater period amongst his... Uh, six other siblings and his two very tired parents. Um, so what we're going to do for February, what does everyone think of for February? They think of love. So we're doing a love theme for February and I'm going first and it's a movie Joe has never seen uh, and it's going to be great. We'll tease it out on the on the gram in a couple weeks uh, or in a week's time, I guess, you know, we'll see. Um, but I'm excited for this and we're going to continue that that trope uh, for each month um, we're going to try and find unique and fun themes uh, for each of us to kind of find a common movie or you know a general kind of common movie type to kind of talk about which is going to be great it's just gonna be a good conversation all around
0: I yeah i think i think your february movie is going to be a phenomenal episode it's it's been a movie i've wanted to watch for a long time it's gonna be great it's gonna be a good chat So much to talk about
1: yeah, so uh, looking forward to that. So uh, keep up with us on uh, Instagram at UCU Podcast for uh, updates there, and then uh, yeah, just continue to to listen along and support us along the way.
0: Alrighty, well, a bug's life. A bug's life. We did it, Joe. Justin, thanks for watching with me, and I'm 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 really glad I got to show this movie to you. Me too. It was fun. I'm I'm glad I got to fill that punch
1: that hole punch in my Pixar viewing history of the OG Pixar movies. <laughs> All right, Joe. Thank you uh UCU crowd. Thank you guys. We'll catch y'all later. Bye.